Hello, and welcome to this new installment of the Dare to Hope podcast. I'm your host, Keith Hinton. As this episode is being recorded, we are entering into the Advent season, which leads me to ponder many of the events surrounding the birth of our Savior. Today, I'd like you to consider with me the question, why Mary? It is said that many Jewish girls dreamed of being the mother of the Messiah, so why did God choose Mary? Is there something we can learn from Mary's experience about what it takes to be used by God? All of us want to believe our life has meaning and purpose, and I'm convinced there certainly is no greater sense of fulfillment than realizing God has used your life to benefit others and to help accomplish His purposes in the world. Today, I want us to look at that overall question of usefulness to God from Mary's perspective. What qualities had Mary cultivated in her life that made her a fitting candidate for this unique assignment? Today's message asks the question, Do you have what it takes to be used by God? Have you ever asked the question, why me? How many of you ever asked that question of yourself? Why me? Why me? Now, it could be that you've done it in a kind of a negative sense, a negative situation where things just aren't going well for you. Maybe you've gotten laid off from work or you have some other issue and you just kind of, in a, in a moment of self-pity, say, why me? Or it could be even a positive thing where, in fact, God has poured out his blessing in your life in an unusual way at a particular time, and you're just feeling so overwhelmed and so humbled by what God has done that you say, why me? But we've all asked the question, one way or another. Now, there's another question I want us to ask today. And that question is, why Mary? Why Mary? I mean, God, who is the ruler and the overruler of the universe, descends and is born as a baby to live among the people he created. And when you contemplate the fact that God had a whole world of women from which he could choose, you might wonder why he would choose a poor, peasant, Jewish girl named Mary. Why her? Why did God choose Mary? He could have chosen anyone. Why Mary? Let me give you some facts about Mary. I, you may know these, you may not know these. In fact, today I probably can't say too much you haven't heard before. Have you ever tried to come up with something that's rather original about a subject that everybody knows about? But nonetheless, we need to be reminded. And here's some facts you may or may not know. Did you know that Mary was the only person present at Christ's birth who was also present at his death? So Mary was the woman who saw Jesus come into the world as her son and leave the world as her savior. Something else. Someone has estimated that there are one or two billion Hail Marys every day. That there are one to two billion Hail Marys said every day. Did you know that more little girls are named after Mary than any other historical figure? 
Mary is intriguing to us. She's one of the most intriguing personalities of the biblical record, and and we know her because God chose her to be the mother of Jesus. Why did he choose her? Has God ever used you? I hope he has. I hope you've had that experience. Maybe you were his instrument on a short-term missions team or on a work project of some kind. Maybe it was doing ministry at the church or in your neighborhood by blessing a neighbor or in some way serving in the community and making a difference. But you felt used of God. I hope you've had that experience. There's nothing quite like it. Often it is accompanied by an overwhelming sense of satisfaction way down deep in your heart. The satisfaction of knowing that God is using you for his purposes. It's one of the most exciting truths of the scripture. Did you know that? Though God has used angels and other means at his disposal, the the historical record indicates to us that in fact God has used ordinary people more than any other means to accomplish his plan and his purposes in the world. Ordinary people. And if God has ever used you, you understand what I'm talking about. Your self-esteem kind of increases, a new dignity develops in your life, and your soul is deeply satisfied being used by God. It's nothing negative, it's positive in fact. Instead of just sitting on the sidelines, God puts us into the action. The fact is, God has put you where you are so that he could use you for his purpose. He desires to put you into action in your family or where you work or in your neighborhood. So the question of the message today is this. Are you living the kind of life before God that makes you usable? Are you living the kind of life before God that makes you usable? You know, many people have a wrong understanding of Mary's role in God's plan. Some people magnify Mary more than they really should. On the other hand, some of us don't actually honor Mary as much as she deserves. But the Bible never tells us we are to worship Mary. The Bible never tells us that Mary was sinless. What the Bible does tell us is that Mary possessed at least three major, at least three major qualities that made her eligible to be used as an instrument in God's hand to save the world. I want to point those out to you this morning. Did God use Mary because she was well-educated? No, it's likely she didn't have any education except that which she got at home. Did he use her because of her socioeconomic status? Not likely. She was poor. Did God use her because of her outstanding maturity? Well, probably not. Most scholars believe that Mary was somewhere in the, in the category of 14 or 15 years old when she gave birth to Jesus. So she wasn't exactly mature yet. In fact, Mary was just living her life. She was engaged to a great guy. She no doubt had plans. She was a virgin, which would not have been unusual in her situation. She would have been considered normal. And then we have this account from the book of Luke, chapter 1. She's living her normal life, 
And then this happens. We've seen it portrayed. Verse 26, chapter 1, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. I was kind of arrested with the phrase, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Well, what was she confused about? Here's what I think. I think she was confused by the greeting, Hail, favored woman. Hail, favored one. I think she asked herself, Why am I favored? How can that be? And that brings us to the first quality I want to mention about Mary. Mary's perspective was filtered through humility. She didn't say, oh, it's about time God noticed me, you know? Or something like, I knew being good would pay off eventually. No, she didn't have any of those kinds of feelings. She was confused and disturbed that God would say she was favored. Her heart was humble. Somebody tried to help us understand humility by saying this, and I kind of like it, and you may get it, you may not get it written down, but it says this, Humility is defined as recognizing who you are, parenthesis, a sinner. What you have, parenthesis, nothing. And where you would be without God, parenthesis, nowhere. (laughs) Humility is recognizing who you are, a sinner. What you have, nothing. And where you would be without God, nowhere. Mary was humble. Humility isn't just a virtue to possess, it's a strength of character which enables God to use us to accomplish his plan. Mary's humble heart helped her do two things. First, she faced her fears. And all of us would have fears in the midst of being used of God, as he would call us. What fears did she face? Well, in fact, she faced at least four, and they're not so different from the fears that you and I would face if we're going to be used by God. First of all, there's the fear of change. You know, if God uses me, it's really going to alter my life. It's going to alter the way I I act. It's going to alter my life in ways I probably can't even imagine. And that's a fearful thought. Mary faced it. The second fear, I think, would have been a fear of criticism. And we can all kind of see that that's obvious. We all hate to be faced with the kinds of criticism that can come from our, our fellow human beings, our community members, our family. You know, things like, for me in Mary's case, uh, what will my friends say? What will Joseph say? What will the community around me think? And believe it or not, there's also a third fear, the fear of the supernatural. The supernatural would be that which would tell us that we're We're going to be used by God in some supernatural way, and we have to be willing to let God do that. Even though in my natural mind I can't quite figure out how God's going to do it, I'm going to trust his supernatural ability. 
and involve me, that he's going to involve me in that. So even the fear of supernatural she faced and the fear of inadequacy. God can't use me. I think this is the big one. God can't use me. I'm not smart enough. I'm too young. I I don't know enough about the scriptures. Really, I don't believe I'm good enough for God to use me. Have you had that fear in your own life from time to time? Well, that brings us to the second of Mary's the second thing Mary's humility helped her to do, and that was she was able to embrace God's grace. You know, more than once the Bible tells us God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the what is it? Humble. God's grace is made perfect, he says, in our weakness. And God's grace, working in our weakness, can do far more than we could ever accomplish in our own strength. She was able to embrace God's grace. And when the angel made reference to Mary as the favored one, he was referring to her status in God's grace. God's grace gives us what we need what we, rather than what we deserve. God's grace allows God to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things in his kingdom. All of us have reason to rejoice in God's grace this Christmas season. Do we not? Extraordinary people are people who are humble enough to face their fears and embrace God's grace. But not only should we reflect on Mary's humble spirit, but she had another quality that is important to possess if we're going to be used of God. Mary's perspective was also one of surrender. That's there in verse 38. Mary had a spirit that responded to God by saying, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. There's another paraphrase that puts it this way. I am the Lord's servant and I am willing to do whatever he wants. What we can't miss here is Mary's willing surrender. Have you ever told God that you're willing to do whatever he wants you to do? I've told him that. Have you told him that once in a while? Have you ever said that to God? Well, if so, I'm here to tell you that God wants you to know that it will cost you something. I know you, you think that's kind of a contradiction that I'm telling you it's going to cost you something if, in fact, you want to be used of God, but that's the truth. And not only that, it cost Mary something too. Look at Mary and her willingness to pay the price. Look at what it cost her. Several things. First, it cost her reputation. We don't have to think very hard here to see that her reputation was on the line. Her fiancé believes she's a virgin now. She's going to tell him that she's pregnant and that he's not the father, but God is. Can you imagine what that would sound like to Joseph? No wonder God had to send an angel to talk to Joseph about it and say it's okay, it really is true. Oh, by the way, not only that, this baby's going to be the Messiah, the one we've all been waiting for. Think about what Joseph would have had to think about, what the people would say about her. Her reputation was on the line. She was willing to pay the price, but also it cost her security. 
Because her reputation was in question, her upcoming marriage would be at risk. Joseph might not be willing to marry her and start a home with her. And beyond that, the law would have insisted that she be stoned to death because she was pregnant without being married. She put her security on the line. She put it in God's hand. She said, I'm willing. And then being used by God also cost her her comfort. Oh, we like our comfort, don't we? Those of you who have had children, you'd have to be female, by the way, to have accomplished that. Some of you guys didn't figure that out. I, 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 but if you've had children, you know how uncomfortable it can be, particularly in that ninth month of pregnancy. And by the way, I guess we guys understand some discomfort with regard to that as well. But Mary got on the back of a donkey and rode from Nazareth to Bethlehem. She was pretty uncomfortable, I'd say. And since she didn't travel with any, anyone except Joseph, she probably felt alone. No family around, no mom to coach her through it. Her loneliness was uncomfortable. Then she gave birth in a cave or a stable used by animals. Rather than the comfort, at least, of her own home, it probably felt like this wasn't exactly what I had in mind. It didn't fit the scenario she would have had for a, you know, a honeymoon suite. This wasn't exactly what she thought about. But her comfort was secondary to the thrill of knowing she was being used of God in a special and unique way. Are you willing to respond to God and be used by God even if it costs you dearly? There's one more quality I hope you won't miss about Mary. A quality that made her a primary player in God's game. Mary's perspective was also filtered through worship. Verse 46 is the beginning of what appears to be a spontaneous outburst of praise and worship exploding from Mary's heart before God. It reflects her knowledge of God's word, her devout relationship with God, even before these events took place. And just quickly notice, as Mary worshipped, she magnified the Lord. It says, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. And then she rejoiced in her salvation. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She celebrated her own usefulness when she said in verse 48, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. And she focused on God's attributes. She focused on his mercy in verse 50. She focused on his power in verses 51 and 52, his provision in verse 53, his help in verses 54 and 55. What I'm trying to help you to see is that Mary had a worship mindset. And did you notice that she was able to worship without singing a song, unless this was a song? Without a guitar, without an organ or piano or drums, without a worship leader. And the most baffling thing to me, she could even do it without a sermon. I can't figure that out. That's not an appropriate place to say amen. Come on. 
I want to make this point. It might be that our worship would improve if we had more of a worship mindset as opposed to a worldly consumer kind of mindset. Imagine what it might be like if we all came to church with a desire to magnify the Lord. If we all came rejoicing that we had been saved from our sins and rescued from hell. If we all came thanking God for the opportunities we've had to serve Him and to be used by Him. And we came into the worship service focused on God, His mercy, His love, His grace, His power, His provision, His help in our lives. That would be powerful worship, would it not? It might actually transform the way we worship if we could all come that way. So I'm asking you, do you have a worship mindset? It's important. There's nothing in this world like being used by God. Someone put it this way. If you want to ride the ragged edge of adventure, if you want to feel truth, if you want to feel true faith, if you want to know what your life can mean and can be, humbly present yourself to be used by God. But too many of us like to play games with God. We will say the words, God, I'm willing, please use me. But what we mean is, I'll do what you ask if it fits into my agenda. I'll do what you ask if it doesn't mess up my reputation. I'll do what you ask if it doesn't cost me very much and if it doesn't force me out of my comfort zone. But keeping those things in mind, God, I'll do whatever you ask. I don't think God is interested in that kind of compromise from us. Ask yourself this morning, am I willing to do whatever he wants? Are you willing to follow his will? Do you want to be used by God? I want to tell you something today. God wants to use you. He wants to use all of us. That's his desire. He wants us to be a tool in his hands. Whoever you are, whatever you did before you were saved, however inadequate you may feel, God will use you if you will make yourself unconditionally available to him, being humble before him, and responsive to his will for your life. So again, this is the question. Do you have what it takes to be used by God? Do you have what it takes to be used by God? So, are you available to the Lord today? Are you living a life of humility before Him? Have you surrendered yourself to Him, including your personal ambitions and desires? Are you living your life with a worship mindset focused on all the Father has done to bring about your salvation? 
Well, cultivating those qualities of Christian living will make any of us available for whatever mission in life God chooses to give us. Hey, thanks for listening today. I encourage you to subscribe to the Dare to Hope podcast on your preferred platform just to be sure you don't miss coming episodes. You may also learn more about us on our Facebook page or at our website, daretohope.life. That's dare, the number two, hope.life, daretohope.life. Until the next time, whatever you may be facing, keep daring to hope. Oh, Christ, this-